Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Footwork is brought to you by... The Talent Project is America's bridge to Europe for the elite few, providing opportunities for young American players that they can't get in the United States. We're looking for a few good men. Visit us at www.talentproject.com and see if you qualify. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Rebecca Stott is a professional footballer for Brighton and Hove Albion in the English Super League, as well as the New Zealand national team. Football has taken her all around the globe. Germany, USA, Norway, Australia, and now the UK. But her path took an abrupt halt in 2021 when Rebecca had received the official news that she was diagnosed with stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma. Documenting her journey, Rebecca sought to bring as many positives to her situation as she could. Educating others, starting her own company, beat it by study, her journey back to the field is incredibly inspiring. This is Traveling the World and Beating Cancer with Brighton's Rebecca Stott. All right, we are thrilled to have Rebecca Study or Stott, excuse me, nicknamed Study on Footwork. Welcome to Footwork. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we always like to start with our motto, which is make your own path. So someone who's been all over the world, inspired so many through your passion, resilience, and openness. We want to know what does making your own path mean to you? Um, for me, I think it's honestly with yourself. Only you know how much hard work and what you put into your everyday life. So I think um, if you truly want to get far in whatever you're doing, you put in the hard work, you should be able to get there. And yeah, the ownership's on yourself, really. Love that. And before we dive into your amazing story, we're going to start off deep. Who are you? Where were you? And where are you going? Uh, I'm Rebecca Stott. Did you say who who was I? Who who, who, are, who are you? Who Just are a little you? bit of a background, okay. a brief yeah. background. All right. Um, <laughs> I am a football player. Uh, originally from New Zealand, moved to Australia when I was 11. Um, played in America, played in Germany, played in Norway, obviously Australia, and now in the UK. Um, yeah, had cancer a couple of years ago, and now I'm good. I'm healthy. And that's about it. And who will I be? And where are you going? Where am I going? I'm just going wherever life takes me. Um, (laughs) You know, football for a while, and then who knows what will happen in the future. Um, Yeah. I love that. That might be one of the best answers we've got to where are you going. Just, I'm going. I'm just going. (laughs) Yeah, wherever life wants to take me, I'll go. Absolutely. So we're going to take it back then. Um, sometimes we like to start with the now, but we thought we'd kind of lay the base into this amazing story. So you kind of mentioned it. You moved to Australia. I know at an early age, I think of 11 from New Zealand. So just in terms of your background and your beginnings, where did this love for football begin? And this early move to Australia, how did this play all into your life? Yeah, um, I grew up with a family of four boys so I was the only girl and everything we did was just outside playing on the streets doing whatever so I started playing when I was four um and yeah I can't really imagine myself doing anything different um it was always a part of my life and just you know happened to be pretty good at it so I've let that take me wherever 
it wanted to. Um, so yeah, moved to Australia. I think mum and dad went on a holiday and they were like, yeah, we're going to move. And I was like, no, I don't want to move. Um, but then, yeah, we packed up and moved to Australia and a lot of my development in football really came through in Australia and um, yeah, just went from there really. Is there a big difference between New Zealand and Australian football in terms of development or the opportunities? Um, I think opportunities, yes. Um, there's obviously it's a lot bigger. There's a lot mm -hmm. more talent pool. Um, and I think they, back when I was growing up, I think they had better pathways. Um, so I think when I was 15, maybe, I was in something called the QAS, which was Queensland Academy of Sport. And that was five nights a week in Brisbane. So an hour and a half drive for me. Um, training every night with some Matildas back then as a 15-year-old. So it was such a good environment. And yeah, I really think my base of football knowledge and, and everything really started then. So being so immersive, like in a young age, did you have thoughts like I could be a pro or was that not really on your, your radar until a little bit later? I think it was always a goal of mine. I didn't know how realistic it would be or if it would be a job. Um, obviously, I watched the the Women's World Cups and stuff growing up. Um, so I knew that it could be like cool to keep doing this, but I was like, is it actually going to pay my bills and stuff? So I don't know. I think it wasn't until I started getting paid. I didn't even know. It was like $100 a game or something. I was like, oh, I'm actually getting paid for this. And then when I was to move to Germany, I was like, okay, like this can be my my full-time job. Like I can make a living out of this. Um, so yeah, it wasn't till, till then I was like, oh, actually, like it wasn't really a choice. Mm -hmm. It was just happened, I guess. The hundred, the hundred dollars at first, like it just seems like a fortune, doesn't it? Like the first time you ever get money from playing, it's like, wow. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> I think I was only maybe 17 or something. And I was like, oh, sick. This is so good. <laughs> So no, I'm rich. Funny. Yeah, pretty much. So that was that was in Brisbane and then with Melbourne Victory, correct? So that's <laughs> kind of the start of your your professional career was there. How did what kind of things stood out to you in terms of what it took and and what you needed to do and able to grow? I think hard work. I remember back to my first season. I don't think I actually saw the field. Um, but I was in a team, probably I think maybe eight or nine Matildas were in that team at the time. So wow. Um, I learned, I saw how hard they all worked in the professionalism. Um, and I was like, damn, like, this is cool. Like I'm learning from some of the best players in the game right now for this country. Um, and I mean, the coach back then was Jeff Hopkins, who's coach of Melbourne victory at the moment. So, um, he was amazing. And yeah, I think I just, um, I just learned so much. And then that led to your move to SC Sand in, in Germany and, what, how did that come about, first of all? And was it not an option to stay in Australia or you wanted to make the move to Europe? Um, I definitely wanted to make the move. So I played at Melbourne Victory and then I think it was, I can't remember, I think it might've been one of my teammates was like, oh, do you like want to go play overseas? And I was like, yeah, I think that'd be cool. Like going to live in a different country, just playing football. Um, and then the opportunity came up uh, through an agent of one of my New Zealand teammates and so we went to the same club um, in Germany and it was amazing. Like I had such a ball. Um, 
and that was yeah it was a crazy time I think I was there for a year and a half and it was the best experience ever I love to hear that how old were you at the time I think I was 18 or 19 18 wow did you have any how how was yeah I was about to ask that um I think it was a bit scary but Uh like I think back I'm like geez I moved over the other side of the world by myself like didn't know anyone had no idea what I was in for like, geez, would I do that now? Um, but <laughs> no, nah, I don't know. I think it was just the opportunity was just so exciting and something I didn't really like know anything about. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Ignorance is bliss in that case, right? Mm-hmm. And and how was how was the adaptation in Germany? Because certainly the culture is a bit different than Australia yeah, and the language. Uh huh. Um, thankfully, I had my New Zealand teammate and a American international was there, so. She could speak German, which was handy for us. Um, but it, to be fair, like I was just enjoying it and trying to embrace myself in it. And I'd pick up random German words and just say them. And they're like, you're saying it wrong. I was like, whatever. Um, but no, it was sick. I mean, driving on the other side of the road, I think I nearly like had a freak out because I thought we were going to go into a truck, but we were on the right side. It was like, whoa. Um, but no, it was crazy. It was cool. That's so funny to hear that from like the yeah. other side. Other I was side. about to like, say that. Yeah. Us coming from America, obviously, we would say that too. Like, I lived in I lived in Australia for seven months, and the first time I drove was like, oh, I'm driving on the other side of the road. I went around a roundabout, and I was like, I don't know where to get off. Could have sworn I went around like twice just to make sure, just to see if I could yeah. get a gap in there. So trippy, honestly. You remember any of those German words? Yeah, ich Deutsch. I actually went to. Um... <laughs> A German... You can say it with the accent. I love that. <laughs> oh. I, yeah, I went to German class, so I actually like learned quite a bit, which was nice. Um, nice. So yeah, I'm not that great though. Was there anything that stood out to you in terms of like the coaching differences from from what you would be learning on on the field and in training? Yeah, I think it was it was hard. It was a lot more technical driven mm-hmm. um, in Germany, uh, but I mean at the start like I couldn't even understand what the coach was saying so a lot of it probably went right over my head and I was just like there for a good time um yeah. but yeah I think I think the trainings were just technical like a lot more technical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense I'm interested to because for how favorably you you speak about your time in Germany only being there for a year and a half and then coming back to Australia was there a better opportunity waiting did you feel like it was just time to make a move what kind of went into that next decision um oh I think was it 2015 if it was 2015 I think I had a bit of an injury um 2015 yeah 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 um so that was just before the world cup um Mm -hmm. I think I needed a change as well um I did Mm -hmm. love it there but I did need a bit of a change and I yeah I think I was a bit injured so I went back to New Zealand to prepare for the world cup Mm -hmm. um and then I think I did W League after that. Um, so that was that was fun as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny just like even doing research for this, just the amount of stops on the path is like here, 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 back here, back here. It's just crazy. I mean, even you talking mm-hmm. about it right now, it's kind of like, like, hmm, when was that? Was that this time or that time? Like the path, I guess the path has just been, it's been quite a journey. It has. I mean, to 
can't even remember where I was and what year, but um, no, it has taken me around the world um, and I've enjoyed it. Like I've loved it. Um, obviously there's been hard times, but like I look back, back at the good memories and I'm so happy. And how did you, how did you, from moving from place to place, especially outside of your, your home country, um, what were some things you did to learn to better adapt to the situation and then obviously get to the the highest level that you can play at? Um, I don't know. I don't think I like change too much. I just try and like embrace myself in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and really like, obviously you've got a team, which is so good. Like if you didn't have the team, then you'd be stuffed. But, um, I guess leaning on your teammates and, and really like, cause I mean, you, you go through hard times and if you don't have good relationships with your teammates, then it can be really isolating and quite difficult. Um, so I think, yeah, just making sure you really click with your, your teammates. I kind of like how you say that though, in a simple way, it's just kind of like just being myself. I think, especially when you go into a new environment, new people, new culture, there's a, I guess it would be easy to kind of put on a face in a way, if you guys know what I mean, just to like not stand out too much and, you know, kind of be in there, but not be yourself. But I think going into a situation and not really having the care either way, it's probably one of the best ways to approach it. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think I'd be able to not be myself. I'm just a bit weird for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect though. Um, You mentioned just uh, representing the national team, getting ready for the world cup and things like that. So when did that kind of opportunity come and what is it like to, to represent your national team on these levels, like the Olympics and the world cup? Mm-hmm. I think 2012, um, one of my Melbourne victory teammates, um, she was like, oh, why don't you play for New Zealand? Like, they're good, like, whatever. Um, and so I went over to New Zealand for a trial and they quite liked me. So they invite, invited me to come back and um, start training there and see if I could get into the team and stuff. And so I packed up my bags, moved across for a good couple of months and ended up going to the um 2012 London Olympics um and I don't know I just had a feeling that I was going to go to those Olympics so to make it there and it was one of the best experiences of my life uh it was so cool and then I guess yes I didn't play in those games but I think that made the experience even better because I could really just enjoy it um obviously playing is is incredible and representing your country is is so nice um but that was a good like lead-in to my New Zealand career I think and now to be one of the more senior players and one of the leaders in the team it's just it's just so nice footwork.club the official website for all things footwork is now live check out all footwork podcast content including episodes guest features and YouTube videos The Press, a section with written articles, interviews, and blogs from ourselves and guests. Game Time, updates about our season in Germany and what's going on behind the microphone. Want to go pro? Dedicated to helping soccer players follow their dreams with helpful info and our consultation sign-up. That's a free video call with us to connect and ask anything. And of course, the Footwork Shop. We got some of the best merch around as well as free PDF templates like a CV builder and much more. So join the club at footwork.club. What were some of your fondest memories from that Olympic experience? Um, Uh Uh-oh. Should I not ask this question? (laughs) Um, I played 
Sting Pong with the Brazilians. Um, so it was sting, like Neymar. Sting Pong? What is that? Yeah, ping pong. If you lose, you got to get stung on your back or whatever. Okay. Ah, okay, okay. Um, so that was like Marcelo was there, Neymar was there, like all oh, wow. these big dogs. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. So that was one of the highlights. Um, getting through to the quarters was also incredible. Um, we played the U.S. and unfortunately got knocked out. But it was it was so cool. It's just it was such a good tournament. Were you able to get any welts on, on Neymar's back? No. He got one on mine though. <laughs> oh, that, that's a story in itself. Take it. though. That's a exactly. good one. Absolutely. <laughs> and then we also saw the 2015 World Cup. I know you had some some really proud moments. Could you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I scored a goal at the World Cup. What more could you want? Um, Who can exactly. say that they've done that? The list is I know, oh. not too many people. Um, but no, it was it was such I feel like we had the potential to do to get through to the next round unfortunately we didn't um but we were very good then like we easily could have got through we we just missed one goal and we're out so that was a bit um it was a bit hard like because I feel like we didn't hmm, I feel like we deserved to get through if that makes sense um yeah. so it, it was it was such a good experience and um I loved it but a bit gutted and looking forward to the next World Cup, you will be an ambassador, uh, which is the World Cup is in Australia and New Zealand. What excites you most about that? I think just playing in front of like the home crowd and right. and what it's going to do for the women's game in New Zealand and Australia. I think like they don't really understand how big it's going to be um, and how much uh, media and how much attention it's going to get. So. I'm just excited for it to to blow up after that, I guess. Yeah, you think after a tournament like this that this the I mean, hopefully the investment and things like this increase in, in both games, but I mean more precisely in the women's game, of course. I mean, do you do you feel like that is something that's that's gonna happen after this in terms of popularity and investment? Yeah, I think for sure. Um, it's gonna be such a good event. And I think like I mean, New Zealand just played America at in uh, New Zealand and I think they broke the record by at least 7,000 um, for a women's game so I mean it's the, the interest is already there and it's all already growing I think World Cup for rugby last year oh that was this year I think no last year it's 2023 now um, grew the women's sport and I think like just the general interest around it um, and so I think it's going to be it's going to be amazing wait really can't wait yeah. skipping ahead now a little bit i mean the backpack's back on again and it's time to never comes to hit off the, really it never comes <laughs> off really it seems like it's time to hit the road again i mean after some time back in melbourne and then of course with the the world cup and everything like that you decide to go to the usa so what went into that decision there's a lot of transitions going on here so after you know spending time abroad and then coming back home it could be quite comfortable it could be very easy to stay in these positions a little bit. So, I mean, was it difficult for you to to make that next move again? And what kind of went into it? No, I think I was ready for the next step in my career. I think the American League is one of the best leagues in the world. Um, and so I think Jess Fishlock was my teammate at the time at Melbourne. Um, and she kind of had that connection to Seattle Reign. So, um, 
yeah, I got a contract there and I was like, yes, like this is going to be so good for my career and it's a, it's such a good opportunity. So um, I was just excited. And did yeah, you feel ready was... and prepared for that? Yeah, I did. I don't think I went in with too many expectations on myself um, in terms of like playing time and that kind of stuff, but I did quite well and I was, I was starting quite a lot. So I was pretty happy with it. What was your... Yes, go ahead, Sean. Sorry. Did you notice a big difference in the game compared to Australia? Yeah, I think just the athletic ability. Um, I think is a bit more transitional, but everyone's just like up and down, up and down, up and down. Like it, there's some serious athletes over there. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sometimes I I describe it as like especially as Sean and I play in Germany, it's a little bit different too. It's almost like basketball in a way of how much it goes up and down the field it really takes like I don't know how I don't know if you had some different fitness tests there at at Seattle but it is quite different yeah it is very physically demanding I think also like the different elements like we were playing in such hot conditions on turf like awful and then next week you've got a hurricane or something in Florida and it's like what is going on um I can't even remember what fitness tests we had, but we definitely had them. <laughs> For sure. That's that's an American staple. They love a fitness <laughs> test. <laughs> and then when you look back at your time in the US, actually from, from Seattle, you you landed in Sky Blue mm-hmm. and actually played, I believe, with uh, a former guest of ours, Savannah McCaskill. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I got um I got traded, I think it was around December or January. Um yeah, I just got a call from the owner saying that they'd traded me to to New Jersey. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's see what, what happens here. Um, so it was, it was interesting. I think that's definitely one thing I don't like about the league is like you don't have a say in where you're going, where you're playing and stuff, which I didn't like. I didn't like having control of, of that side. Um, but, yeah, it was a good time. It was um, It was fun. I had a lot of good time with it. Did you did you see this as a possibility happening or did it kind of come out of nowhere? No, I always knew I'd heard stories and stuff going into the American League that that could happen and stuff. And I I was like to my agent, I asked him a lot of questions and stuff and um tried to make sure that that couldn't happen to me, but obviously it did. So what can you do? Was that was that your mindset got like when you got the call, it was really like okay, like, well, it's a new challenge. Like, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, obviously it's hard. Like you're leaving, I guess, your comfort zone where you know people, you know, like what's going on and stuff to a whole new place. And um, so, I mean, it was it was a bit hard at the start, but I mean, once I got into the trainings and with the team and the girls, it was, it was fun. And when you look back at your time in the US, what stands out in terms of uh, memories, accomplishments, cultural things, improving learning as a player? Um, oof, that's a hard question. I think probably the physical side. Mm-hmm. Um, just like knowing that you have to be at such a high level to be able to compete and like to do well. Um, yeah, I think that that would be the one. Did you have any setbacks kind of in America in terms of ever injuries, playing time, things like that, that you kind of had to, yeah. you know, put the game face on and try and overcome? 
in New Jersey, I think for the last four months of the season, I had a really bad back. Um, and so that was, that was difficult. Um, I did, really didn't know how to help it and didn't really get too much guidance on it. So that was, that was a bit of a struggle. I was kind of like, I just need help, but, um, yeah, it just wasn't improving or anything. So that, that was frustrating. Um, cause you're, you're there to play, play football right. or something, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was that was frustrating and hard. But yeah, it was around. In Australia and in terms of, because in US I know there's a lot of turf fields. Did you play on a lot of turf in Australia or no. in Germany? So this was this. I mean, obviously, is another thing. Mm, no, I don't think we really played on turf in Germany. Um, definitely not in Australia. Maybe like a couple games here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think going from like different surfaces as well, like we would at New Jersey oh, and Seattle, we would train on turf pitches. So yeah, it's not, it's not as nice. No, definitely, definitely not good for the back, <laughs> but then you, I mean, maybe, maybe the backpack always being on your back was uh, leading to that because as if Germany and the U S weren't enough, you then head to Norway. Yeah. Going back Crazy. east, back to Europe. Yeah. Walk us um, through that. Um, I got the opportunity to play there and I think it worked in well with um, the W League season. And so I was like, yeah, let's go to Norway. Um, so that was interesting. That was another culture difference, like changing. Um, but no, it was good. Um, it's a beautiful country. And I think I was, I was in a tiny little town, so there wasn't much to do, but it was it was still beautiful. There was lots of hikes and stuff. So, um, And again, the football was was quite different. So it was an it was an interesting experience. So coming from from like the USA and playing in a, where you have to be fit, you kind of talked about the physical standards. Did that help you in Norway? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I think it did, but I guess I don't know. It's it's different. Like mm-hmm. the football there, I guess it wasn't as physically demanding. Um, mm-hmm. It was more technical. Um, so I think, yeah, it's helpful to have that base and stuff, but yeah, it's a, it was a very different type of football there. What stood out to you in terms of culture there in Norway or the biggest differences? Um, they were very friendly. I'm not saying it wasn't friendly in America, but like the noise, <laughs> they're so lovely, like, very chill as well. Um, yeah, they're, they're just like on their own time just mm-hmm. like yeah whatever kind of thing mm-hmm. going along with mm-hmm. it going with the flow i think that would be probably the one thing and at this point i mean your professional career stretches across a few countries a few years everything like this what kind of things do you feel like you developed really as a player throughout these years like how much did you grow from all of these opportunities to be the player you were at, at this time um I think just like having those experiences, you learn different things. I don't think you you realize it along the way, but I think now what I'm old, like I feel like every situation I am in or whatever, um, I'm like, oh, that's the answer to that kind of thing. Whereas mm. when I was younger, it would be, oh, what should I be doing there kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
And it is in Norway uh, in 2019 <clears throat> where the beginning, well, we you didn't know yet, but the beginning of a new journey, uh, you, you felt your first lump in your neck, which at the time you didn't know what it was. Yeah, it was just a tiny little lump. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't know if I'd done it at the gym or what it was, but it kind of was there. And I was like, I'm very aware of my body. And so I was like, mm -hmm. this is interesting. But then it kind of went away and I stopped thinking about it. Um, yeah, crazy. And then what happens there? Um, I moved back to Australia, Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I played the season of W League. Um, we were very good. We won the championship. Invincibles, yeah. Yeah, we Didn't were good. lose a game. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, and then I think it was it was lockdown, so COVID started. Um, and yeah, so I was just getting ready to head over to England. But um, yeah, I, I noticed that it was still there and it had like grown a little bit. And so I was like, okay, I need to go like check this. So I talked to my team doctor at Melbourne City and he was like, okay, let's go get a biopsy, your blood test, blah, blah, blah. Got all that done. And it was actually crazy, the, um, the bid. So when New Zealand and Australia actually got the World Cup, the doctor called me that night while I was like at the Sydney Opera House and he's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's just this um Japanese thing called, oh, I can't even remember what it was called, like some some weird thing. He's like, it's it's fine. Just keep an eye on it. Like if it grows and get it checked again. So I was like, okay, sweet. Like I'm good. Um, So I moved to Brighton and then um yeah it kind of just kept growing kept growing and I was like mm, this is not good not good um and then the other side started growing and it got to a stage where it was quite big and I was like well that side did and I was like mm, this is not okay so I went and uh got a doctor here and I had to go through a long process of appointments and then another biopsy still inconclusive and then uh I actually had surgery and they took a big bit of tissue out of it and that's the only time when they actually could diagnose me so that that kind of process of getting a doctor here to actually being diagnosed was about three months so it was it was quite long wow. mm. and how did your mind physically at the time physically I felt fine I mean yeah. I was still playing I was still training I was doing everything I didn't feel off at all I was fine and did you ever have I mean, this thought that it could be something like this, or was it just, I mean, obviously you could, you said like having it in both sides and you were thinking, okay, now I need to get it checked out. But did your mind ever go to that place of what it could be? It could be this. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, you go and Google stuff, don't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Always WebMD. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so I was like, Oh, what can this be? And there's lots of different things came up. I even went to the dentist and was like, is there something in my teeth that's like draining through my lymph nodes or whatever? And they're like, no. Um, it wasn't until I actually asked the nurse who was doing my needle uh, biopsy. I was like, what do you think it could be? And she said, oh, lymphoma. It could be. She didn't say it is, but mm -hmm. she was like, oh, it could be that. And I didn't even know what that was. So I went to my car, Googled it, and I was like, oh, crap. That's quite serious. Um, and so from that moment, I was kind of like, I was like, I, it might not be, but it could be this. So I was actually quite 
thankful that she did say that because that gave me like it did give me an answer but it, it gave me it could be bad and like kind it of gave you a worse it gave you a right. worst case scenario yeah exactly um yeah so yeah at this at this point though i mean i think i read and excuse me if i'm wrong but you were in you were in quarantine back in australia when you got the definitive news of what it was is that correct mm-hmm yeah and what i mean what is that like quarantine it's lonely it's it's everything i mean to hear yeah. such news like that well, i mean mm-hmm. what was that experience like um uh it was actually a relief to be honest um i knew that it was cancer um that's why i flew home um and so once they finally told me i was like okay now we know what type it is and we can actually like deal with this so I think the the waiting and the just like not knowing exactly what it was, that was the hardest part. Um, mm-hmm. Like once I finally knew, I was like, okay. And it was the good type. So I was like thankful about that. Um, and then, yeah, I got in touch with the doctors in Australia and that was crazy. It was so fast and so good. And all the while when you were waiting, was it continuing to grow and get worse or you still physically felt fine? It was just, uh, it looked like it was growing. Or it appear to physically absolutely fine and i wow. mean it, it would grow but you you wouldn't be able to like, like look at it one day and be like oh that right. grew heaps so it was like it was like a slow continual growth um i think i have a photo on instagram or something where it's like quite big at its biggest stage and both of them are just like boom i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> but physically fine wow. And did the mind go to that why me kind of stage? Like, why is this happening to me? How did you kind of approach it? Because I'm sure as like anything with with bad news, it can come in waves. So, I mean, what was what was that experience like? Um, I don't think I was like that until probably later down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when it was like, okay, you've got cancer, it was more let's fix it. Let's do what we need to do. Let's survive. Let's get treatment. Let's just be okay. Um, yeah, it wasn't until down the track. I was like, mm-hmm. why is this happening to me? It's not fair. <laughs> and how, how was going through that treatment? Um, because of course it takes a lot out of you physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, physically, you know, it was hard the first cycle. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I was going in and like, what is this going to feel like? Mm. Um, I was pretty sick uh, after the first session and that first couple of days. It was not fun. But I think once you get the hang of it and you you get the right drugs um, for the side effects and stuff, it was it was okay. It was, I guess, later down the track when I was on my third and my fourth cycle. At the end of the cycle, that's when you feel like just not good, wiped out and... Mm-hmm. I think those were the hard times, um, but you were always able to kind of have a few days during the cycle where you felt good. You could go out and go for a nice walk and, and feel a bit normal. One of the things I, when we were preparing for this, I read a little bit about in, in this, in this article, you kind of talked a little bit about your feeling of identity in the future and, you know, being so attached to the game and then suddenly not being around it. And it certainly seemed like it laid the groundwork for you to start your company and you to start these blogs. So where was your mindset at for this to kind of come across something that you could do in order to obviously, you know, take time 
or take your mind out of what is happening, but also to, you know, bring awareness, to bring attention, to tell your side of the story and hopefully help others? Yeah, I think not being able to play football, not having it, like I needed another purpose almost. I needed something to do to, to distract myself. Um, so, I mean, I think it was one of my first, well, not my first appointment, but quite early on, um, I noticed people carry their tote bags around in the um, in the hospital. And I was just like, this is just not comfortable. Like I forgot something, like the person who was taking me to the hospital got it and I don't have it and I need it because I've gone like, so it was just like a bit, oh, I need something. Like I need it. I need a cancer bag. So that's where that kind of started. Um, and I really wanted to to shine like awareness onto onto my story and kind of like what I went through because I tried to research a lot like before I was going through it and um there was some stuff but I felt like I could give a, a bit more of a um I don't know what do you call it insight into what's insight. going on perfect that's word. a word yeah <laughs> um a bit of an insight insight to like what I went through what I was feeling and yeah so I was like I just need to be open with this and and really share and it was a good outlet for me as well I think yeah a lot of times doing stuff like that it, I mean in one of the blogs you posted that it was a, a massive release for you just writing about it it's not only you're helping other people but to talk about yourself in like a third person form it kind of you're going through what you've gone through already and realize like how far you've come yeah, and I think it, it helps myself as well um, to really process it and just kind of review it, I guess. So no, it was it was really helpful. You just you mentioned a little bit about the about the cancer bag. I'm wondering if you could just elaborate for those who may not know just about your work with Canteen Australia and the Community Co and kind of what you guys have have done to prepare and raise money and things like this. Yeah, um, so I got the idea of having a, a specific cancer bag that you can take into um, your treatment and just be prepared and just feel a bit of comfort. Um, and so I started, like, I guess, designing these bags and, and started importing some bags. Um, so the idea was to fill it with stuff that really helped me when I was going through treatment um and then be able to give these to patients who were just diagnosed and about to go through that as well so that they could kind of have have a bit of like a oh like this is going to be so this is going to help me kind of thing before they get started um and so yeah I got these bags I got some cool um sponsors on board to to fill the bag with stuff and I had to buy some stuff to put in them um and then, yeah, I reached out to Canteen and they were willing to kind of help get these to patients because um, obviously they look after the young adults um, that are diagnosed with cancer and or who are affected by it. Um, and then, yeah, I auctioned off lots of football jerseys, which was amazing to see, like, people get behind it. Um, and so that money went towards getting these bags and giving them to uh, people who needed them. So it was it was really incredible and yeah, it's just nice to see. I'd imagine. And then you come, um, you know, you're you are in recovery and it's obviously you're starting almost from the ground up to build your body up again to be able to play uh, to play football again. Walk us through that. Yeah. Um, so I think I finished treatment in July or June 2021. 
I think. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and at this stage, like I haven't done gym, I haven't done any running because I physically couldn't. Um, and so I'm literally starting from scratch. My body is very weak. Um, I've got nothing. Uh, so I guess I just started out slow, tried to do gym, tried to do a bit of running and slowly increase my heart rate because at the stage I'd be walking upstairs and my heart rate, heart rate would be through the roof. Um, so yeah, that was a long journey. And I think mentally and physically, that was definitely the hardest, hardest thing for me. Um, just not being able to do what I used to be able to do and how hard it was to get to a point where I could. Um, so I signed at Melbourne City and yeah, I don't I don't think I had a long enough preseason. I wasn't conditioned enough and I really struggled through that season. Um, I mean the the crap that went into my body and how it affected my body. Um I don't think I fully understood or realized. Um, and so it was really tough to to try and get back to a stage where I felt good. Um, and so by the end of the season, I was, I was done though. Like I was, I had nothing left. And so I really had to start from scratch again after that. And so I was on, I think three month program of, of gym running, swimming, um, just, just trying to get my body right and try and, really get back to being able to be a professional athlete again and feel good, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a long process. And I finally got to the stage where I felt fit. I felt strong. I felt like I could actually be fast ish, not fast, but not fast. But yeah. And then I got injured. So I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> here we go again. What was the injury that came then? Um, I ruptured my spring ligament and deltoid. So I had to have a whole ankle reconstruction. Disaster. Wow. It's a, just disaster. Yeah. Was absolutely. that was that from like a tackler or was it just from running? Yeah, I got kicked from behind, so I was pretty annoyed about it. Um yeah. yeah, so it wasn't it was not good timing or it was just not good at all. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously going through something like you had just before that, did it make it a lot easier that this was like, okay, this is just, this is just a little bit of a, of a hiccup. This is just a bit of an obstacle. I've been through so much worse. Or was it kind of like when it rains, it pours kind of thing. I think more when it rains, it pours. Yeah. I was like, I've just done all this hard work, all this fitness, all this gym to get myself yeah. to a point where I'm able to be playing at a good level again. And now I'm going to be out for at least four months. Mm -hmm. It was, it was pretty hard and pretty tough. And I was just like, Oh, what what is going on? Like, am I ever going to get back to being able to play professionally properly? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it was it was pretty tough. Um, and obviously I've had to build up again, and that's taken a while. So yeah, it's been crap. Yeah, can okay. yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. Bluntly, yeah. And was there yeah. ever any, any point, uh, especially after that injury, that you thought, okay, maybe it's time to transition into something else? Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, you always have moments where you're like, oh, what am I doing? I just, totally. it's, yeah. it's so hard. Like, I can't even walk right now. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, my passion is football. I know I can't play forever. I don't have much long left. 
so I want to make the most of it and I think that's what drives me I mean I've got a world cup next this year for it well, yeah I think that's the best motivation anyone can have really a home world cup yeah yeah for sure couldn't agree more I mean just to come back to what you said before about the hardest part being kind of you know after about being in remission after recovering I mean I guess certainly during the time or when you're diagnosed the expectation is is that there's that light at the end of the tunnel and you would think that that would come with the news of being in remission how were your expectations going for that was it did you feel like once it was over, it was over? Did you expect the hardest times to be afterwards? I'm pretty mentally tough. So I was like, oh, I'll be fine kind of thing. Mm. Um, I had read that the three months after is mentally the toughest. So I was aware of it. Um, I didn't think it would hit me as hard as it did. Um, it actually was maybe like a month or two ago. We had some ladies come in and talk to us at, in Brighton and they were just talking about hormones and stuff um sorry to take this podcast down there but I got it and they were saying like as a as a child our hormones are like this as we go through um our puberty and stuff it goes up and then if you have a baby it goes up and then it once you like go into menopause it goes right down back down and so I was looking at this and I was like oh my goodness because I was put into menopause during my treatment. I also went through IVF um, treatment. And so I was like, my one's looking like this all the way down, back up. And I was like, no wonder I was mentally struggling, physically struggling, everything. Like my body was all over the show. And so I was like, I wish someone had also like explained that to me because I think like I probably gave myself a bit of a hard time because I was like, what is wrong with me kind of thing? Like, why am I just randomly crying? Why am I not okay? And if I, th- I think if I knew that, then I think I would have been like, you know what, this, like you have a lot going on. Like there's a reason for this and it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Kind of thing. So, um, Yeah. I guess that's one of the great things about the blog, though, and about sharing the information right. is that you can reach a whole different, you know, group of people who are going through similar things and just don't have the the either the ability or can't find it or don't even know where to don't know where to look or how to look, you know. So is that something that you really take pride in? Is that you know a lot of this journey has has worked out in the terms of it's been able to help other people? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, a lot of people reached out and it was it was really nice to actually be able to have communication with people who are going through something similar to me. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, but Alison Gale, she is an American um, who went through something very similar to what I did, very similar timing as well. Um, and so having those kind of connections um, helped me, helped her. And I think like, yeah, just being open and honest, I think. Yeah, I think it helped a lot of people and myself. That's amazing. And then and then back to Brighton. Um, I mean, like you said, you mentioned the World Cup coming up in the summer. Is that your is that your next big goal that you're looking to prepare for and get ready for? Yeah, definitely. I really want to get back on the field here and um perform and just get get back to playing. It feels like mm-hmm. such a long time since yeah. I've I've had that freedom and just like enjoying it. So definitely getting that game time and um 
getting myself in the best position for for the World Cup. I mean, it's huge. And how are you feeling now after, you know, the ankle things and, and all of that? How are you feeling now? Are you back on the field? Yeah, back on the field. I uh, played 60 minutes in a practice match the other day. So um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fit, faster. My ankle is feeling okay. Um, mm-hmm. So no, it's exciting. It's it's finally like I'm I'm making progress and I'm I'm nearly getting there. Love that. Has your has your approach to the game at all changed since you know going through um, this whole ordeal and having cancer? Has your has your approach changed in any way? I don't think it has. Um, I think the biggest thing is just to enjoy it. Like you never know what's going to happen in the future, so enjoy what you're doing. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm like. There's no point doing something if you're not enjoying it. And what what about a, a massive club like Brighton? I mean, they're a Premier League club, both men's and women's. What is the culture like around the club? It's amazing. Oh my gosh, you should see our facilities. They're incredible. We have a spa. Is that, a, is that an invite? <laughs> yeah, good luck. You can talk to Heather about that one. Yeah, um, Heather, are you still there? <laughs> but um, no, it's incredible. Um, we have like I don't even know sixteen pitches or something, an indoor pitch. Wow. Um, we get fed every day. Uh, we sit across from the boys um so it's it's a really good club they look after us um and it's it's so nice to be a part of a club like that um where it's not just all about business it's actually like they care for for their players and Mm -hmm. their staff so it's nice and how do you feel like in terms of I mean it's from being around the world does Brighton take the cake in in terms of in, in terms of um English soccer too or English football does it take the cake in terms of it's a level that is the highest and it is the maybe the best experience on the field that you've had? Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say that it is just because mm. of what I've been through while I've been here, if that makes sense. I feel like mm. I haven't fully yeah. had like a solid period where it's been like, yes, but um, it's a great league and um yeah it's it's such a professional environment so I would have to say it's it's definitely up there could you take us through a day in the life at Brighton in terms of we'll go with a with a with a training day what does that look like okay wake up go to training maybe like eight o'clock get there at 8 30 um get go to the kit room get your clothes get changed I always go have treatment around 8 30 um, make myself a coffee and then nine o'clock we go over to have breakfast um, it's buffet style so you can literally have whatever you want the chefs are amazing um, come back across to our women's side and we'd have a meeting it would either be review of the game or um, looking at our new next opponents um, and then we would have pre-activation in the gym or a light gym session um, and then it's probably 11 o'clock. We'll go out for training, um, out for an hour and a half, depending on what kind of day it is. Uh, come back in, you can do recovery. So in our change room, we've got a nice big ice bath in there and a hot tub there and then showers and stuff. So, um, yeah, pretty much we have no excuse to not be in the best shape possible because we have all these facilities and stuff. Um, the recovery, get changed, go over for lunch, um, and then 
would usually come back across and either be done or have a gym session or have a meeting. Um, so yeah, that's that's the day in a life and then come home. Sounds sounds amazing. I really hope the invite's coming in the mail. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Maybe one day. Maybe one Put day. Put us up yeah, in the maybe. nose, please. We'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Absolutely. So as someone who's been through the experiences you've had and I guess kind of narrowing in on this event of having the news that you got something like this. Do you have any advice for people who may get something, whether it's similar or completely different, just this in terms of shocking news or a shocking event and something that's a a very big obstacle in their upcoming path. What is some advice maybe that you have in terms of, you know, taking the next step forward and, and approaching it in a way that could help? Oh, it's hard because, you know, it it's it's a life altering thing. Um, but I think for me, I tried to look at the positives, um, try and try and find those little things that will help you get through it. Um, if it is can't wait till I'm done with my treatment or over an injury or whatever it is, um, just try and find the little positives everywhere, like in your in your journey. Um, because if you focus on the the negative things, it's it's just gonna be a struggle. Yeah. And reflecting on the journey right now, what things would you say helped you get to this moment? So, in other words, why did Rebecca Stoughton make it as a pro, and why is she still here? <laughs> Damn. Um... <laughs> even had a beard rubbed there. <laughs> I know. I thought you have a beard. Um, I would say hard work and determination mm-hmm. I guess following following what you want following what what you yeah what you're passionate about um wait what's the other part of it why did you make it as a pro and why are you still a pro why am I still a pro um oh, I think it's just passion like if you don't have the passion I think it's hard to to fully commit to something so yeah, I think the passion and love for the game is what keeps me being a pro. Love it. Love it. So now we'll get into some easier ones. We got you on the deep ones right there. So hopefully these hopefully these ones are a little bit uh, more of some, some toss-ups. But our fast feet round, some quick-fire questions. Favorite okay. player growing up? Marta and Ronaldinho. Love that. Wow, ballers. Yeah. Both of those have been mentioned many times on this podcast. Yeah. Favorite surprised. moment in football? Scoring got the World Cup. How can anyone top that? Mm, no, That's right. Can't. Most difficult moment? Coming back from cancer. Best advice you ever received? Um, put yourself out there. Because um, you're, you're um, in control of yourself and you put yourself out there, you'll go, go places. Love that. Two-parter here. Favorite place you've traveled and favorite place you've lived? Favorite place I've traveled? I have to say Portugal. It's beautiful. Mm. What part of Portugal? Like uh, the Algarve. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And favorite place I've lived? Melbourne. Yeah. You can't leave Melbourne. I knew you weren't going to say New Jersey. 
No, definitely not. <laughs> to the bottom of the list. Uh, <laughs> best player you've ever played against and with? I want to say with probably Megan Rapino mm. and against um, Eugene Lissomer. Okay. And what stood out to you? What stood out to you with both? Um, Rapino, she's just so good, so talented, can create something out of nothing. Um, and Lissomna, uh, she's just so smart. She's mm-hmm. so intelligent as a footballer, and she's horrible to mark. <laughs> mm, can imagine. What about what about best player you've played in Sting Pong? Uh, yeah, Neymar. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, was it was he very good? Yeah, he was real good. He didn't <laughs> speak like much English back then, though. It was so funny. Yeah. If you weren't a footballer, uh, what would you be? I'd probably be a coach, or I don't know, open, have my own random business with something weird, selling knickknacks and yeah, yeah, buttons and keychains or something. Yeah, something weird for sure. Something weird. Okay. A favorite book. Oh, I don't read. Fair, Fair enough. enough. <laughs> Any quote or mantra that you live by? Um, I don't know if it's a quote or a mantra, but uh, just enjoy life. That's all you can do. If you're not enjoying it, what's the point? Couldn't agree more. And I Same think that's a, that. it's a great place yeah. to end it. We want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, we got a lot out of it. I know our viewers and listeners will get a lot of at it, out of it. And we can't wait to see what the future holds. We'll be watching for Brighton. We'll be watching the World Cup. And best of luck to you. Thank you so much. No, that, was, that was a good time. Yeah, we, after, after we stopped recording, uh, I mentioned to her that, like, she just has a great energy about her, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was there before the whole cancer thing, but maybe that the cancer thing even heightened it. But, like, she's just like a person you want to be around, you know? Great, great vibes, good energy. Like doesn't take herself too seriously or anything that she does. And I think she probably had great success in her career because of that. Like she was 19 and just went to Germany. I was like, oh, like whatever. I'm just I'm here for a good time, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, every every Australian, New Zealand person I meet from that part of the world, they always have this <laughs> this attitude. I, I might have to go and live there for a bit. Because we'll have to do some research to see if this the, is just across the, the board. The percentage of Australians and New Zealanders that I've met, I mean, I'm talking like 90% of them. Have the how many how do you mean think you've met like 10 okay well <laughs> i mean it's 10 it's but, a small sample size but it's it's decent i mean like they're all they all have the same vibes i mean they, mm. i don't know what's in the water down there i know they have a lot of dangerous animals but <laughs> to, to stay on topic yeah she uh the story is incredible yeah i mean uh, just to start it off incredible. just the mentality wise i mean from the where are you going question to answer it like i'm just i'm going you know i'm just going i'm right. seeing where the flow it's like the answer isn't rigid it's not so structured like obviously there's goals that she has for the world cup coming up which is going to be amazing and she's an ambassador for that and you know having already scored in a world cup i'm sure like you know that's going through her head and in terms of imagining what can take place but to have an answer and then not just to like say that answer but you could tell from the way she spoke about other things too like how she approached getting the news and you know kind of knowing already was was the best part about it so that it wasn't the unknown anymore, you know, like 
this mindset that she brought into it, you can see why she's been so successful and everywhere she's gone and been able to, you know, pick up, take the backpack and just go to new opportunities. And then to face a thing like a cancer diagnosis, to go through that, to come back, to, to be so open about it in terms of, you know, making it more about, I mean, obviously like it helps her too, but I mean, making it so it helps other people even more, I think is just the mindset there is just so inspirational and, you know, to have her on the pod and to get a guest like that is just, it's just, it's sick. It's awesome. And I can't wait to see, you know, what comes next for her. Yeah. yeah I'm very excited. I hope she recovers quickly. Uh, like she said, she's, she is back at the moment. And I mean, the world cups around the corner. So I'm excited to see that mm-hmm. and particularly also in her home country. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think similar, very similar to how we feel about the World Cup in the U.S. coming uh, for the men's. I think there's the same way with the women's game and the men's mm-hmm. game. It's just going to grow the sport in these countries that it's not the biggest sport yet. Mm-hmm. So when you have a big event like that, I mean, the whole country uh, is involved with it, with the tournament. And through that, you encourage and, and motivate people to get into the sport and grow it. Yeah. So it's exciting. Yep. And, you know, just this ability to put one foot forward and take it day by day and you know if just to to give a little bit more information for anyone who who kind of wants to dive more into her journey and her blog um her blog and her website uh beat it by study is just is great there's just a lot of things on there there's also some great merch and things like that so you can help out and support um yeah make sure we'll, we'll post her instagrams and all of these things she's got two one that's kind of a little bit more driven to um to the path of beating cancer. So make sure you look out for all those links, make sure you go and support and, you know, look out for Brighton in the super league um, second half of the season coming around. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. Um, we got the chance to talk with her. It's been a great start to the new year in terms of guests and, you know, just looking forward, man, just keep moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Keep moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, we don't need to say anything else. Plug in the passing subscribe yeah. on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Apple reviews, Spotify reviews, all of that does help wonders. Yeah. That's the free support that we constantly put out there. Yeah. Um, in addition to the consultations, you can find that on our website or you can message us on Instagram. We'll give you the link. Um, we have another player today that reached out for that. So keep on reaching out. We will help as much as we can answer questions. And um, yeah, looking forward to hearing from you. So with that, until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning and make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 